Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Picture the scene. It's the night before your first foreign holiday in over two years. Lockdowns, travel restrictions and the sheer complexity of heading overseas have meant you've waited until now for that long-anticipated trip away. First, though, you've got a few things left to do. Passport. Is it still in date? Check. Boarding passes ready and printed? Check. Travel money safely stored away in a hidden compartment in your carry-on bag? Check. You're almost ready to go. Just a few more things to pack, a few more t-shirts to fold. Oh, nearly forgot your flip-flops. And you zip the case tightly shut, ready for tomorrow's early start. You head to bed. It's late. You're only going to get a few hours kip. But you don't mind, because you're out of offices on, and you're finally going on holiday. But before your alarm goes off, you're woken by another sound. Glancing at your phone on the bedside table, you see you've got a message. In your sleepy fog, you can't make out everything in the text, but two words stand out. Flight cancelled. It sounds like a nightmare, doesn't it? But that very scene has been a reality for many over the last few months. So far this year, British Airways has been forced to cancel one in five flights from its summer schedule, while EasyJet cut roughly 40 flights per day throughout the month of June and warned many more cancellations will come over the next few months. And they aren't the only ones. There have also been cancellations reported by TUI, the UK's largest travel company, used by thousands to book their perfect trip away. And other carriers have reported problems too. For those lucky enough to actually make it to the airport, it's a less than relaxing experience. Overcrowding, long queues and issues with baggage have led to many of the striking images we've seen on TV and in newspapers. Indeed, many people have missed flights simply because they struggled to get through the airport in time for their scheduled departure. So with the summer holidays fast approaching, what exactly is causing this chaos? I'm Grace Farrell, and this week's Witch Investigates asks, is the travel industry broken? Investigates is a podcast from the UK's consumer champion. We work to make life simpler, fairer and safer for everyone. After two successful seasons, we're back with new episodes every fortnight as we dive deeper into the issues that matter to you. If you've got something you'd like us to investigate, do get in touch. If you're on social media, you can find us at WitchUK or you can email us on podcasts at witch.co.uk. 
Coming up, I hear from people whose travel plans have been ruined. It says wait for information. No information came. So one other passenger that I'd met actually had called BA because he was travelling with his wife who had cancer. So he called BA and BA said, oh, the past three nights in a row, this flight has been cancelled. We try to apportion blame. Civil Aviation Authority absolutely should be doing more. We are seeing the biggest chaos in UK airports, really, that we have ever seen. I remember a story three, four years ago where we found customers were taking airlines to court to get their compensation. The airlines were still ignoring the court. And if you believe this or not, the passengers were calling bailiffs. So they actually called the bailiffs on the airlines. That, that's the situation we are in. We also ask, are the problems actually being exaggerated, causing unnecessary stress for passengers? The main feedback from everybody in the travel industry is just the fact that the chaos issue has been overreported, and that is causing another set of problems. I mean, I remember I spoke to members and they've said they're getting people who are due to travel in July and August who've been phoning up saying, is my holiday going to be cancelled? And really, the chances of that happening, pretty small. So there's one big question that we need to kick off with this week and one that won't be easy to answer, but let's try. Put simply, how on earth did we get here? To begin with, we need to go back two years and I think you can guess what's coming next. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. We won't spend too long talking about the pandemic. We all remember what happened in March 2020. The world came to a halt. The travel industry ground to a standstill. And although the UK kept its borders open, unlike the majority of other nations, the travel sector took a massive hit. There are some pretty stark figures that illustrate that slowdown. Office for National Statistics data shows that monthly air passenger arrivals to the UK fell from almost 7 million in February 2020 to just 112,000 in the April, a fall of 98.3%. Add to that an International Airport Transport Association prediction from the time. They claimed the UK aviation industry faced losses of 20.1 billion in 2020. What happens during the pandemic? I mean, we've all been personally affected very badly, but if you look at the industry that's most, most badly impacted by it, it was the travel industry. I remember the Office of National Statistics bringing us stats, and it was pretty shocking reading. It really was about how much business had been lost. So over that period of time, we said, and which did as well, thank you for that, that the travel industry needed targeted financial support so that when things did return to normal, things would get back very quickly. We didn't get a penny. The only money that was given was to the airlines, but travel agents, tour operators, nothing. And also airports, not a great deal of money. So unfortunately, a lot of companies had to let staff go. This is Sean Tipton, a spokesperson for ABTA, otherwise known as the Association of British Travel Agents. ABTA is a travel association that was set up in 1950 by a group of travel agents and tour operators. And fundamentally, we have a code of conduct, which is pretty strict and our members have to follow it. And if they don't, we will take action against them. And that ensures high standards of service from those companies. And it's those high standards that we'll be taking a closer look at shortly. But back to Sean's first point. Despite calls by industry bodies, airlines and the likes of which, the travel industry remained largely underfunded by the government's financial support measures. Their tourism recovery plan, published last summer, claims over £25 billion was provided to the leisure, tourism and hospitality sector over the course of the pandemic. But only part of that went to aviation. 
By contrast, and this isn't a direct comparison, the United Nations Specialised Agency for Aviation put the cost of the pandemic to the global industry at a combined $696 billion. I think that's undeniable that if you have a situation where the industry shut down for over two years, it's not like just turning on a tap, which we said to the government repeatedly, you know, it's not going to be a totally smooth process. And this brings us to one of the key reasons behind the current chaos, staff shortages. What's been happening, as you've probably seen on social media, is that the airlines are blaming the government and the government are blaming the airlines. Obviously, travel experienced a massive shutdown and a lot of the airlines are saying, well, you can't just turn it back on. Obviously, there was huge amounts of furloughs and redundancies and things like that. Portia Jones hosts the Travel Goals podcast. As she mentions, the financial shortfall faced by airlines and airports resulted in mass job losses. Collectively, UK airlines cut around 30,000 jobs during the pandemic. Everyone from pilots and cabin crew to air traffic controllers, baggage handlers, catering staff, security and, yeah, the list goes on. The problem is relatively simple, I suppose. There are not enough staff at some airlines and for some airports. That's across a range of jobs, all of the possible jobs you could imagine. Unfortunately, the solutions to it are not simple. They are complex. This is Rory Boland, editor of Which Travel. The worst airlines in particular that we are seeing disruption from tend to be those that got rid of the most staff during the pandemic. So British Airways and EasyJet absolutely out and above as the most likely to cancel your flight in particular. There is disruption at other airlines. We've seen that with TUI. We've seen it in Europe with Lufthansa and KLM as well. However... If you're flying with Jet 2 or, dare I say, Ryanair, probably things will be fine. OK, so it's reassuring to hear not all airlines are cancelling flights, but many are, some even on the day of departure. Here's Vicky. She got in touch with her story. Yes, yeah, so I was in Prague at the end of last month and the flight out was completely fine. I was flying with BA both there and back, but the way back was where I had sort of major issues. Our flight had been delayed. And as I was in the queue, there was actually someone behind me saying that the flight had been delayed by over an hour because they were checking the flight status online. And that's when I started looking at the flight status online myself to check that as well. And actually at the ticket desk, they told me it was only delayed by 40 minutes. Anyway, so I go to the gate or I get to the departure lounge. I'm checking the board and there's no information whatsoever. It still says... It's 9.35pm and it just says wait for information. No information came. They're supposed to contact you, email you, text you. If there's going to be delays, they didn't. Actually, because it was so late in the evening, there wasn't that many people in the airport. So I started meeting other people who were on my flight and we were all sharing information with each other that we had learned ourselves. So one other passenger that I'd met actually had called BA because he was travelling with his wife who had cancer. So he called BA and BA said, oh, the past three nights in a row, this flight has been cancelled. They gave us a slip of paper. It said, uh, you're entitled to a double room and a free breakfast at a hotel, has the location of the hotel. And the one thing they said was that we can't arrange transport for you, so you have to arrange transport for yourself, but keep the information, keep the receipt, and we will compensate you for that or expense that for you afterwards. The one thing that I found quite shocking was the fact that there was passengers from our flight who couldn't even get a room at that hotel because there wasn't enough space. So the hotel 
apparently when BA or whoever from the airport had called up the hotel to say we're sending all of our passengers here, the hotel apparently said, we don't have enough room, so only send this many. And they sent us all there anyway. Overall, I wasn't impressed with the communication or lack of communication, shall I say, and just the fact that they were obviously quite aware that this was going to be the case. BA did respond with the following statement. It's voiced by one of the team here at Witch. Where a customer's flight is cancelled, we always offer options including a full refund, rerouting or rebooking onto another service, including with other airlines. In the event of disruption, we also direct customers to information on consumer rights, including details about compensation at ba.com slash helpme. Now, you know it's a bad situation when the government steps in. It's ordered airlines to just cancel flights now, rather than creating last-minute misery for travellers. In a joint letter, the Department for Transport and Civil Aviation Authority told airlines your schedules must be based on the resources you and your contractors expect to have available. At the time of recording, Gatwick's announced it's putting a cap on the number of daily flights throughout the summer peak. It's going from 900 down to 825 in July and 850 in August. EasyJet passengers will bear the brunt, apparently, which I'm really excited about as I'm supposed to be flying to France with them in August. But don't feel too smug if you're travelling with another airline, as BA, Wizz Air, TUI, Norwegian and Ryanair are also expected to cancel flights. So it's clear that staff shortages are playing a key role in cancellations, baggage issues and hellishly long queues. But are these shortages solely a consequence of the pandemic? Hmm, not entirely. What you have behind those staff shortages is Brexit. So there are not enough people for jobs in a number of industries in the UK. EasyJet has come out and said it couldn't employ up to 8,000 people it wanted to employ because of changes to immigration rules since Brexit. I've heard some people in the travel industry saying Brexit has had an impact as well, because bluntly, a lot of people working, I think particularly for airlines and airports, were Europeans, and a lot of them have gone home. And that's obviously hasn't helped either. Last month, London Mayor Sadiq Khan said Brexit was to blame for the chaos. And Jet2 boss Steve Heapy took issue with Transport Secretary Grant Shapps for denying the problems were caused by the UK's withdrawal from the EU. Heapy said Brexit had, and I quote, taken hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people out of the jobs market. In response, Shapps put the blame on the industry and accused it of cutting too far during the pandemic and not anticipating how many people would return to international travel once restrictions eased. I think on both sides, more could have been done, really. Surely a lot of the airlines anticipated an uptake in travel after we've been restricted for so long. A lot of the times airline staff do need that specialised training and security credentials. So it's not as simple as hiring, perhaps in something like retail or hospitality. I think potentially what's happened is the airlines and the airports haven't prepared properly, perhaps, or they didn't anticipate a lot of the problems that were coming ahead. Also, the government hasn't been massively helpful either. And rather than seeking to solve problems, it's just finger pointing at the moment. Portia mentions the airports themselves, who definitely aren't blameless. But as Rory explains, some have been worse than others. 
Manchester has been particularly bad. Bristol seems to have lost the ability to run an airport looking at what's happening over there. People sleeping in all sorts of places and queuing in car parks. But we are seeing problems at a lot of airports on really quite random days as well. The issue at airports is you really only need one or two things to go wrong with any airline. So if you don't have enough baggage handlers or you don't have enough ground control staff to push aircraft back, that can have a knock-on effect to everything that's happening in the airport. As we often find on the Witch Investigates podcast, there's not a simple cause and effect. It's more of a perfect storm. I saw a friend of mine recently who described taking off two hours late from Rhodes to find themselves at an empty airport, devoid of staff or assistance, and waiting three hours for their bags to come through. Not ideal when you're travelling with four kids under the age of five and it's 4am. As we all know, queuing for check-in and security is rarely a relaxing experience. So it's no surprise that we're seeing particularly hellish problems here. Back in April, police were called to Manchester Airport to break up disturbances as indignant passengers waited hours to board. And last month, people were forced to actually queue out of the doors at Dublin. Rory told us his own experience of recent travel disruption. So we were there three hours early. Check-in desks should have opened. We were maybe 10th in the queue. The check-in staff were not sent out until two hours before the flight was due to depart. At that point, the queue was probably easily 100 people behind me. Two members of staff sent out, that's it. That will be a staff shortage problem. And a woman from the back came to the front. She was probably too angry to be helped. She was very shouty. She went to the member staff at the front and said, what's going to happen? Can you help me? We're not going to make the flight. The member staff just told them, you're not going to make the flight. There's nothing we can do. That is everything that is going wrong. It's not the members of staff's fault that this is happening. It's the airline's fault. It's the airline's fault for not opening the check-in desk early. It's the airline's fault for not providing more members of staff. That being said, that sort of response is hugely unhelpful. What should have happened is they were told their rights, told to go onto the, the airline app and you can rebook or a member of staff over on this desk can help you. They weren't told any of that. So I thought that was pretty unpleasant. Those are the worst stories. It's not just the disruption. It's the way people are being treated by airlines is making things much, much worse. Mm. Well, we'll be taking a closer look at that kind of airline behaviour next. Hello, I'm Lucia, the host of the Witch Money podcast. Each week, we're here with the very best advice to help you through the cost of living crisis and make your money go further. With new episodes out every Friday, we cover everything from energy bills to pensions and property to help you get the best deals and ensure you're not getting ripped off. Just search Witch Money wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Witch Investigates, we're looking at the current chaos facing passengers at airports up and down the country. We've discussed the long queues people are having to deal with and the thousands of flights that have already been cancelled. So, say you're due to fly on one of these flights and it's been cancelled. What should happen next? I put this to Rory. If your flight is cancelled, you have the right to be refunded for the flight or rerouted. Only one of those, you can't have both. The airlines will often push the refund because that's cheaper for them. If you think you've probably bought the flight many, many weeks, many months in advance, 
it's much cheaper than them rerouting you, paying for you to go at the last minute to your destination. What you probably want is that you want to be rerouted. The law says the airline must reroute you on any airline. So at the earliest opportunity, if you're flying to Malaga, it has to get you to Malaga at the earliest opportunity, even if that flight means going with another carrier. Unfortunately, the airlines, for the most part, are not living up to this legal requirement. A quick search on social media and you'll see countless posts from travellers, usually in a desperate bid to attract the attention of their airline or tour operator. Most are asking for the refund that they're very legally entitled to, but are struggling to access. In some cases, they're being denied compensation at all. I think they've taken our custom for granted, but do you know what they've also taken for granted is the fact that most of us don't know what our rights are in terms of delays and cancellations, and they are relying on us not knowing in order to fob us off or give us a poor customer service experience. So at which... We've taken matters into our own hands. We listen to lots of British Airways customers and their experience of disruption and cancellation. And we felt that BA was not living up to its legal requirements. In particular, there were two issues. It was not telling customers about their rights to compensation in the way we think it should under the rules. We also didn't feel it was meeting the regulations about rerouting. So we had passengers telling us that they had contacted BA um, asking for rerouting. They had even found the flight they wanted to get on. So they were telling BA, listen, put me on this flight. And they weren't getting satisfaction from British Airways. We've also heard plenty of stories like this from EasyJet passengers too. That's why we took the decision to report both themselves and BA to the Civil Aviation Authority. People can't get rerouted. People cannot get compensation. What we need now is for the Civil Aviation Authority to step in and actually take some action. Part of the reason we feel that airlines are treating customers this way is because they get away with it. You know, a law is only the law. If a policeman knocks at your door, the airlines aren't getting a policeman knocking at their door at the moment. And really, that should be the Civil Aviation Authority. For some context, the Civil Aviation Authority, or CAA, were set up by the government in the 70s to act as an independent regulator for all things air travel. Civil Aviation Authority absolutely should be doing more. We are seeing the biggest chaos in UK airports, really, that we have ever seen. There have been small moments, the Icelandic volcano, there was lots of disruption then, of course, at the start of the pandemic. But this is a systematic problem. And I remember a story three, four years ago where we found customers were taking airlines to court to get their compensation. The airlines were still ignoring the court. And if you believe this or not, the passengers were calling bailiffs. So they actually called the bailiffs on the airlines. That's the situation we are in. If you do find yourself facing a cancellation and struggling to get a refund, or you want to check whether you're eligible for one, we've got loads of free advice online. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash travel, or check out the show notes for links to other helpful articles. Now, I must caveat at this point that the amount of compensation you can claim for a delay or cancellation may be about to change. Here's producer Rob with more. Thanks, Grace. So the penalty paid by airlines for severe delays or cancellations on UK flights could be reduced by tens of thousands of pounds per flight. And this is under new Department of Transport proposals on passenger compensation. 
Currently, if your flight is cancelled at short notice or delayed by more than three hours, you'll get at least £220 compensation, as well as the right to be rerouted or refunded, except under so-called extraordinary circumstances, such as bad weather. However, the government have launched a consultation on plans that it describes as bolstering airline passenger protections and rights made possible thanks to the UK's departure from the EU, which could scrap this compensation on domestic routes. It suggested that payouts for severely delayed flights in the UK should, instead, be capped at the amount you've paid for your ticket. In simple terms, the UK's most popular route, Edinburgh to Heathrow, the average one-way economy ticket for that costs £44, according to Skyscanner, so passengers would be paid £176 less. Hmm, thanks Rob. We'll watch this space on that one. So far in this episode, we've covered the factors contributing to the current issues faced by travellers at airports up and down the country. We've apportioned blame, and we've tried to work out how on earth we got here. But I'm going to pivot slightly. Are things actually as bad as they seem? The main feedback from everybody in the travel industry is just the fact that the chaos issue has been overreported, and that is causing another set of problems. I said, and even just the simple emotional one for people due to go on holiday. They're worried now. So is, as Sean suggests, the way we're being pummeled with horror stories in the media actually leading to more issues and contributing to the problem? I thought, oh, we must be approaching the holiday season because you suddenly start seeing travel chaos stories in the media. Clearly, there are some issues at certain airports, and I think that's undeniable. A lot of people are now worried about the fact they're going to have stuck at airports for hours on end. That's one thing about it, which is not really the best. And secondly, people are turning up at airports many, many hours earlier than they need to. And that in itself is causing problems. I've just come back from Greece and I flew up through Luton, got to security, and there was a very long queue. Now, on the face of it, I was like, oh, here we go. But I timed it. It took 25 minutes from start to finish to get through that queue. So even though it was a very long queue and would have made a lovely photograph, but if you see a long queue, it doesn't necessarily mean people are in danger of missing their flights. We put Sean's comments to our man, Rory. I think that is a bit unhelpful from ABTA, if I'm honest. Uh, I suppose I understand perhaps what they are getting at. The truth is that if you are flying this summer, probably you will get away with very few problems. There are hundreds of thousands of people's flights who have been cancelled. At Manchester Airport, the police had to turn up to tell some people their holidays had been cancelled. There's people sleeping at airports all over Europe. So lots of people have been hugely emotionally distressed, have been left financially out of pocket as well. I think really we should be focusing on the solutions to it at the moment. Yeah, I'd go with that. But as we've learned on today's episode, these aren't exactly easy problems to solve. We know that some of the issues we're seeing are circumstantial. Post-pandemic, it's understandable that more and more of us will want to head overseas, especially given the fact we've been largely unable to do so for a couple of years. Couple that with the fact that short-haul flights are still being offered at very affordable rates. Which research that was released earlier this year found that, despite spiralling fuel prices, flights to Europe are actually 48% cheaper than they were pre-pandemic. Then there's also the issue of long delays for passport renewals, though that's more of a stressful aside than a major part of the problems we're seeing. 
But really, it's those gaps in staffing levels that need to be sorted before things can genuinely improve. And things could get worse before they get better. Hundreds of British Airways workers at Heathrow Airport had voted in favour of strike action later this summer in an ongoing dispute over pay. But while this has now been called off, that isn't the case everywhere. Ryanair staff across Europe, although actually not in Britain, they're walking out over pay and conditions. And Spanish EasyJet cabin crew were due to stage strikes at the beginning of this month. In my view, probably more critical is working conditions and pay at airlines and airports. Some airlines and airports is really, really poor. Often the amount you will get paid as check-in staff or airport security is the same or less than you would at a supermarket. And of course, the working conditions are much worse. You know, it is not a particularly enjoyable job, particularly at the moment, because you are the front line of very, very angry passengers. So very poor working conditions, very poor pay in some positions. Even if you overcome all of that, so let's say the airlines improve their pay offer, let's say the government does something about temporary visas for people, well, it also takes a long time to train lots of these positions, to employ lots of these positions. Unfortunately, what all of that adds up to is ongoing disruption, certainly through the rest of this year. So in Rory's view, then, there's no quick fix and basically no end in sight to this disruption. For their part, the government recently revealed their 22-point plan to help ensure passengers don't face a summer of last-minute cancellations. It includes helping to recruit and train staff, working to deliver a realistic summer schedule, minimising disruption and supporting passengers when delays and cancellations are just unavoidable. And at which we welcome any measures that will help improve the current situation. And to be honest, maybe we can contribute as individuals as well. A lot of people have forgotten the rules around travel, particularly about liquids in hand luggage. Now, again, not telling people off, it's understandable if you haven't gone for so long, you're going to forget those rules. But fundamentally, if you leave something like a hand sanitizer in your hand luggage, when it gets through security, it's going to be pushed to the side and it will be manually checked. And one of the airports I was speaking to said that they'd seen a massive increase in bags having to be checked for that reason. Even just do simple things like you're going to have to remove a belt. So do it whilst you're standing in the queue. And then that means you won't be doing it when you're standing there. These things will really help just to speed things up, which is good for you, but it's also good for everybody else in the queue. I should say we've also heard from EasyJet on the current situation. Here's one of our journalists with what they told us. Delivering a safe and reliable operation in this challenging operating environment so we can take our customers away on their holidays this summer is EasyJet's highest priority. We fully understand and are very sorry for the disruption caused to customers when their flight is cancelled. We provide customers with options to rebook, including with alternative carriers where no EasyJet flights are available, which we advise via email through a link to our delays and cancellation help pages and our easy-to-use expense form for customers to be quickly reimbursed. Earlier this month, their chief operating officer also resigned, with the airline saying Peter Bellew had left to pursue other business opportunities. Now to finish, some words of reassurance. It's probably worth putting the mess, the chaos into context, because the truth is, if you travel this summer, the likelihood is you will get away okay. Your passport will come on time, your flight won't be cancelled, your luggage probably won't be lost. I would say if you can avoid travelling over the summer, I would. 
that is going to be the peak of the disruption because what you see is not enough staff and the most amount of travelers. I think we'll continue to see some level of disruption through 2022, but once you get into September and the number of people traveling drops considerably, you've still got the same number of staff. Things should be kind of okay. We're facing a bit of a turbulent period, but that's not to mean that you shouldn't travel. It's just to think more about how to prepare and plan properly and also how to be a bit more supportive towards the travel industry staff and the airline staff who are also struggling as well. I think it's really important to remember that. After years of lockdowns, PCR anxiety and general pandemic misery, it's only fair we should be able to look forward to that long-awaited holiday, that much-needed break, the chance to get away from it all and relax without the stress of everyday life. But right now, cancellations are continuing and compensation is proving elusive. So for many, that idyllic travel fantasy is far from reality. We can only hope a solution is found. And it's on all parties, airlines, operators, airports and government to play their part. If you're heading abroad this summer, I wish you luck. I hope you enjoyed this week's Witch Investigates podcast. It's really great to be back with new episodes. Next week, we've got a special bonus episode. And then in two weeks, we'll be taking a deep dive into the rise of energy bills and looking at things we can do now to help reduce our payments come winter. If you've just discovered this podcast, then firstly, hello and welcome. But also, you should definitely go back and listen to all our previous episodes as well. We've got new reviews and advice every day on witch.co.uk and you can also sign up for our free email newsletters covering everything from money to gardening, travel and more. That's at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. Please do share this episode and podcast with anyone you think may enjoy it. And if you'd be kind enough to go and give us a review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, that would be hugely appreciated as it helps other people discover us. Today's episode was presented by me, Grace Farrell. Written and produced by Rob Lilly. Editing and original music is by Eric Breer. And our executive producer is Angus Farker. Special thanks this week go to Rory Boland, Naomi Leach and the rest of the Witch Travel Team. And I'll be back soon for our next investigation.